Hey out there all you home services contractors, welcome to Contractor Radio. Who is Contractor Radio for? It's the blue collar home services contractor. You're a roofing company, you're a siding company, gutter company, painting company, security company, solar company, you name it. You're the person that goes to a homeowner's home, shows them your product or service, and then closes them on the deal. We are your source for getting ahead of your competition. We share strategies and tools and tactics that will help you succeed out there in the industry. We've done this because it's our goal to empower home services contractors to achieve their dreams, to work on their business instead of in it. Our goal is to help you apply those strategies to be successful out there in the field. We here are Contractor Coach Pro. We are coaches that help contractors succeed and achieve those dreams. Sometimes you'll hear from me, sometimes you'll hear from my co-coach Nathan, and sometimes you'll hear from our financial coach, Jenny DePoint. Our goal is to serve you and put you first. We hope that you enjoy our show. We hope that you find it entertaining and educational and helps you with your business and gives you that little bit of secret sauce that helps you get ahead of your competition. If you'd like to find out more about our coaching services, just simply go to contractorcoachpro.com, click on the apply button, go through a little assessment, and that assessment will tell us if you're a good fit or not. We'll have a free strategy call with you and we'll help you right then and there on that call to succeed a little better than you may be currently. If you think what we do is great, we would love to have you as a client, but if not, our goal is to serve you in any way that we can. And we hope that this is the place that we do it. We're honored to have you. And here's this week's episode of Contractor Radio. Hey everybody, it's Jim Johnson here with another episode of Contractor Radio brought to you by us here at Contractor Coach Pro, where we help you strategize for your business to be successful out there in the field. And uh, we have a rock star guest today. Uh, it's kind of cool because this is actually one of our former clients and he has created something that's pretty amazing for contractors. It's been a struggle for a long time and he is the founder and CEO of One Click Code. Welcome the supplementing superstar, uh, Garrett Kurt. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. Well, it's awesome to have you. It's been a long time since we talked. We kind of went through coaching, did your roofing thing, but this thing kind of started to take hold and you've pursued it. And so uh, give us a little run up, like from the roofing to this kind of, kind of what's happened. Yeah. So I, you know, I've been in the business, I would, you know, we call it the insurance restoration business, specifically roofing focus for the last maybe 12 years now, uh, which seems like it's just, just flown by. But over those course, of those 12 years, you know, I, got in and dabbled into everything, you know, the supplementing, the building, the running the crews, so production, permitting, um, even down to appraisal work, you know, working as an appraiser for disputes, not just on my claims, but other people's and other contractors' claims. And I started seeing these patterns throughout all that process. And it all came down to um, ultimately what does it, you know, the dispute was over what something should cost. We all agreed that we should be using Xactimator. I should say majority of people agreed to that. And it became the insurance, insurance accepted practice to use it, an estimating tool called Xactimate. But the difference was is the inputs to which people would put the, uh, the items in. And I just kept on running across code items as being this, this, this kind of like cog in the, in, the, in the wheel that was slowing us down. And so I really, as I 
went through the process and working through understanding how this roofing uh, industry works, I realized that someone's got to answer that question in order to ultimately make it everyone's lives a lot easier. And that's what I decided to focus on, which was let's figure out what is code and then ultimately how does that input, how does that input into a more accurate and defendable estimate? That's super cool. Like it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I was a contractor too. I've been in this for 22 years. And so it's, it's like a blink of an eye to me too, is how fast these things have gone. And uh, I remember we would, we do our supplementing thing. We were one of the very first companies to ever bring in house supplementer. Like that was their total job is all they did. And every single claim would be like, okay, I got to go look up this code and I got to go look up that code and I got to call this city and, and that kind of stuff. And if I understand things correctly, I can kind of put an address in and it'll tell me what codes and manufacturer specs are applicable to that particular address. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, it, I would say that's it's accurate. I think we, I describe it as, is imagine that we are like a form of Google and you type in an address and we magically know you're a contractor or an adjuster um, or agnostic in that way. And we will, with an address, we will return back magically all the questions to your answers of commonly asked questions associated with building a more accurate roof estimate, as well as what does it take to install that roof, perhaps for manufacturer specs or, you know, permitting, uh, where do you go get the permit? Um, and I, you know, ideally it's sales tax, jurisdiction, that type of thing. We can just answer those questions with a, uh, with an address. So is there a, like a, a list of things that you do? Cause like my understanding was just code, but you just mentioned like where to go get a permit and things like that and jurisdiction. Uh, what all does it include whenever you run a report on somebody? So we, we focus on code, um, but we also want to focus on providing the estimator or salesperson or production person or adjuster the most, most information they can get on that particular house. So we offer building codes associated with IBC and IRC. That's the commonly asked question. Um, and then drip edge, ice and water shield. Um, you have your underlayment and valley liner. That accounts for about 80% of supplemental items. And really it's about 80% of the friction that is caused about what should be an estimate and how do you create that accurate estimate. What we add on in addition to that is you know, contact information to be able to, you know, reach out and communicate with the city officials yourselves. So website, phone number. Uh, we also provide address specific sales tax, which is unique because you really have to go and do that search by yourself. Exactware does not have the ability to give you address specific. They look at it from a zip code base, but that's not actually accurate. Um, we do address specific, which means you are within a certain jurisdiction, which means you have a certain sales tax associated with that lat long, so geocoding of your house. Um, we provide um, hail information in terms of like, you know, um, ICC, International Code Council provides information associated with, you know, hail trends and hail impact. We have R values. So you have rooftop R values for residential and commercial. And so you would be able to say, hey, as a um, commercial roofer, I'm gonna be able to say there's X amount of R value below the deck. I need to add X amount above the deck in order to meet the R value requirement of that city or county. Uh, we go and we add Zillow information, some high level Zillow. So like, what's the value of the house? What's the size of the, the footprint of the uh, square footage? When was it built? And why, why when it's built is important is because some of those roofs um, or those, the, the houses were built with skip sheathing or nominal lumber prior to 1970 or 1965. And so we can actually give you insight pretty quickly to know what the age of the house is. So you can quickly know, should I go check that attic? Um, you know, we also provide uh, drone information. So that's not really a big deal, but some people like to fly their drones. And so we'd like to be able to give them information on 
can I fly my drone here? And uh, we're all about yes or no's. You should or shouldn't do something. And that's really what our, our application is trying to do is provide those answers to commonly asked questions of should I do something or should I not? Wow. Okay. So I had no idea I had all that information. And so a couple of things that kind of stuck out to me. One is that's a lot of data. Data, if I've learned anything in the last, I don't know, about 10 years or so of being involved with software is invaluable. Like having all of these data points on people uh, and the project that you're working on, usually what that does for you is it gives you the ability to know them a little better and probably sell to them a little better. It also gives you this ability to market to them. So you could market to them specifically based on that particular address. But the other thing that's uh, really valuable on this is it seems like it's going to save me a crap ton of time. Like I do all the research and stuff like, is this house in this jurisdiction or that jurisdiction? Because that's probably more based on like municipalities, maybe it's a state situation, maybe it's regional, like they all have kind of different things that uh, enforce those codes. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah, a combination of both. I think just to give you to summarize that, I think we're always selling or being sold to. Um, and so in terms of being able to sell in a more intimate way and knowing your customer, whether it's an adjuster, a contractor, a mortgage company person, right? You're always selling every time throughout the entire process. The more you know, the easier it is to be able to relate. And that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is you're right, jurisdiction is a huge component to be able to get it right. Um, whether it's state, county, city, whatever it is, whatever the municipality that has control, you wanna know because the nuances between each municipality could mean thousands of dollars in differences. and if you're communicating to that adjuster in the wrong way, meaning you are stating that, hey, these are the codes because of this municipality, and then they use our report and they're like, hey, you're wrong because it's actually not in that municipality, it's over here. I know the zip code says this and the city says this, but it's actually an unincorporated you know, Houston County. Um, and the codes are different, and so therefore we're not gonna be able to pay for it. And you lose credibility as a contractor right away. That's awesome, yeah, so, so I did something whenever you uh, interact with me to find out, Hey, let's do a podcast. And I've actually been wanting to reach out to you anyway, because uh, I saw that you were really kind of pursuing this and going hard at it. And so I looked up the address for my house and, and nothing against your software, but I'm guessing a whole lot of people in my area haven't used it. And uh, so I put in my address and it came up. Um, Comal County uh, doesn't in enforce any codes. And that was the end of it. It was like, that was the whole report. And I was like, huh, I know that we have some kind of codes in our, in our neighborhood. And I actually asked uh, my office is here in the builder. Uh, there's a builder that um, owns this whole building. And I asked him, I'm like, do you guys follow any codes or anything like that? And he goes, Oh yeah, we follow this code. And I'm like, is that enforced? And he's like, yeah. I said, okay, so I need to ask Garrett about that. So I'm a user. I would imagine it's taking, you know, an immense amount of time to get every little municipality all over the place. And you guys are hard at it all the time on the phones. Is it something that the user could help you out with and say, hey, I'm at this address and this is the report I'm getting back. Is that something we can assist to make this thing even better? Yes, and we've had hundreds of people do that. Uh, we've actually even had people offer to um, pay us additional funds to be able to get that city in. <laughs> and so the, it's, it just shows, you know, to the extent to which our data can provide value. Um, and I would say, depending on your circumstance, and this is the, you know, I'm just hearing it for the first time, I could get back to you on what actually transpired. But what we have found is that we, well, sorry, what we did do is we targeted the 96 percentage of the population, which lives within a certain 
geographical area of a major city. And so that was our phase one. I mean, the daunting task was 27,000 cities and counties calling them multiple times per year. And granted, we've been at this for about a year and a half nationwide. That is a daunting task. We just started charging two weeks ago. So if you think about that, we were really doing this, not you know goodwill, but really you know we were bootstrapping this and taking money out of our own pockets to make sure that we created a reliable source that could service 90%, 96% of the populace. And that's what we got. Now what we're working on right now, and this is what people are contributing with by giving us data and what you what you recognize could be a huge value is we are now moving into the rural areas as we call them. So we can actually dig deeper and provide a value to the people that are on the outskirts of those metropolitan areas and we don't alienate them. We bring them in as part of the community. So that explains a lot because uh, I like to live in a rural area. <laughs> so uh, that, that's probably what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I can see that happening really fast. The more users you get, the more people you have, um, them supplying information, telling you that you're telling you exactly where you're missing it. So you can actually target the right spots. Um, that, that's super cool. Um, here's a, a question. I, Cause I think of this from the contractor side of it. So I get this yeah. report. It's got all these codes. I'm assuming it has the detail of the code, like the whole written code. Is that accurate? Yeah. I think I forgot to say that. So on page two and three and sometimes four, we actually detail out the building code. And so we actually have some of our contractors specifically love our reports because they just simply go copy paste, um, copy out of our PDF and paste it in their estimate as well as supply our report with their estimate. And so it's being like double hit. So they don't have to go seek it out, um, which is that was, that was exactly the question I was going to ask. Can I copy and paste that into my estimate? Because I, I sit there and think about, you know, people doing estimates and it's all about documentation. It really is. And mm -hmm. accurate documentation. If you can put accurate documentation and uh, validate what it is that you are asking for um, in something that they can reference, they're more than willing to probably take care of it in most cases. And so that's what it comes down to is, can I make that easy? And it sounds like you can just copy and paste. And there you go. Um, that's super cool. I was going to add one more thing to that is that what we do is we allow it not just for them as the user, but as the recipient. we've actually have, I have screenshots of emails from a big insurance company adjusters saying, this is the most easy to read and understand report that I've ever seen. Right. So making it easy for the recipient, not to sift through pages and pages of like, what code are you referring to? I'm not going to take my time to read this, I'm just gonna either blanket say yes or blanket say no because I don't have the time. So what we wanna do is make it easy to read and understand for the recipient, which could be the adjuster, the homeowner, however you wanna be able to be selling because we are always selling. Well, I could see this as really valuable as a, as a salesperson. I'm a salesperson, I'm out meeting with a homeowner. The insurance company has written up an estimate and it only has eight items on it or whatever. You know, it's fairly common, no offense, insurance adjusters, but hey, that's kind of what happens. And uh, I can go through and pull that report and say, well, this code, which is required by our municipality, says these are all the things that need to be included. I can actually give you a copy of this and we can work together to make sure everything gets included. Um, I find that to be extremely valuable that this homeowner would go, wow, that's super cool. Nobody else has shown me anything like that. Kind of puts me in this position of being an expert, um, which is kind of what we're after as salespeople, it seems like to me. Now, have you had any experience? Uh, uh, we coached you as a, as a contractor and so you had a roofing company, still got the roofing company, right? I still have the roofing company, yeah. All right, cool. So, so I'm assuming you use this uh, in your own roofing company. What is the homeowner's response to it, you know, when they see this thing? 
So I, what I have used as a tool, so I use it both as a sales tool. So I'm using it as a two-pronged sales tool. So the first prong is to the adjuster, to create, create credibility and, and trust, because that's really a trust mechanism to be able to say, okay, you trust me, now you have more confidence in me. Because you have more confidence, we can commit to more things in the estimate. That's the idea, right? And, you know, they don't know me from, you know, usually I've, I rarely run into the same adjuster twice. And I do, it's like, it's a great thing because you build a rapport. But you usually don't, so you're always rebuilding rapport and establishing rapport with adjusters. Now, with the homeowner, I think it's even, it's an opportunity to create credibility before the adjuster shows up saying, here's the things I'm going to ask for. When they say no, I need your support, not just for us, not for me, but also for you, because these are the things that are required by the city and county, and we want to comply with that city or county. And so it creates the idea that the, now the, the consumer now has a say into saying, yes, I want a good roof, and you empower them to ask for a good roof. And that is something that they don't know how to do. They know how to do it by warranty. They know how to do it by uh, maybe wind speeds and maybe nails in a shingle. But to be able to identify how the roofing system could be created and then ask for that to that adjuster and then back you up is a huge, huge move and a um, huge thing that we've used in terms of how we, how we work with our, uh, our homeowners. And I found that it actually creates a stronger bond or stronger relationship um, with my customer. That's, that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm sitting here going, all right, I know insurance companies and they all have different personalities and some are like, yeah, okay, I can see that. And they just take care of it. And I would imagine that happens in the majority of cases, but I have a feeling there's an insurance company or two out there uh, that might still battle that. Even if you get the homeowner involved and just kind of say, Hey, I'm not paying for that. We, we don't cover that. But this report that you have gives you some validation that Mr. Homeowner, this is required. So that's going to be out of pocket expense. Have you run into anything like that before? No, not yet. Cause we've actually found success with the adjusters accepting it. We've actually, because we have, so to date, so just give you clarity on this, we've had 58,000 reports pulled issued by our software. Okay. And so what we usually don't hear about the positive things, you hear about the negative things. And let's just put it this way. We've had very few, if any, I, I actually can't think of the top of my head of negative reports from um, insurance adjusters. What we've received though is screenshots of saying approved, approved, approved. Insurance companies as a general rule really do want to pay, but they don't want to overpay and they don't want to be tricked. And so what has, they have told me because I've talked to a lot of adjusters is that they have witnessed and experienced contractors utilizing wrong codes on purpose. Well, let's just call it maybe on purpose, maybe not, to try to get a more money out of them without maybe actually doing those repairs because it's actually not required. And all they want to do is just have a, as has of a source to be able to have confidence in knowing what their decision they're making to pay for something is not being tricked. They're doing it because they're supposed to do it. And they're just, so they're looking for a source. So our reports going in is a, is a way for them to validate and back up in their own system so that their quality assurance people that come behind, their managers, their claim managers come behind, they can look at it very easily and say, oh, that report says X, I agree, good job, right? And all they wanna do is do a good job. They really don't wanna get in arguments, they don't wanna get in you know, disagreements, they just wanna be able to go to work and enjoy it. They don't, get, they don't get excitement about causing arguments, right? They just really wanna be able to make sure that homeowner has a check in hand. And that's what I firmly believe. I, I agree with you, you know, um... I don't know if they're always out there to see how much money they can give away the first shot around, but if I can validate it with them, they just want to make sure their butt's covered with their boss is really what it comes down to. Like, yeah. Hey, 
it, according to policy, this is a code. We allow for code endorsement. So boom, we got to pay for this. And uh, it gives him this uh, almost a safety net that, of approving something saying, yeah, it's valid. It's by a third party source. It's not a contractor. Um, it's not me saying it. It is what is applicable to that particular location. So um, I find this to be fascinating. I see time savings. I see more profitability. I see uh, ability to communicate a little bit better with uh, adjusters and homeowners, which are all things that we look for as salespeople and part of our strategy in sales, part of our strategy to make things go smoother. Uh, because if you remember, we talk about velocity a lot. How fast can we get from A to Z with a homeowner? Because if it takes me 150 days to do that, and it's a $10,000 job, well, you divide 10,000 uh, by 150 days, and that's how much you're making a day. Well, if I can reduce that down dramatically by having those codes uh, available to me to reduce it down to you know, 50, 60, 70 days, whatever it is, um, I see that as me being more profitable. So it seems like one click code can help a contractor be more profitable. Have you experienced the speed change on getting things approved? Absolutely. Speed change. I mean, think about this, like as a supplementer, which I really got a good grasp of and I became really good at it because it's, for me, it's just a game. It's like exactimates a game. Like what can you put in? How do you justify it? And how do you articulate it? And then how do you provide documentation to back that up? That's, hard and that's a lot of work and but if i can and that sometimes it takes me one two three four times of submitting the same thing over and over again to get them to move the needle right if i can get that needle moved within one or two times i just save myself hours and hours of time with supplementing i just made it my ability to go out and sell more roofs which makes me more profitable i've also built the rapport with them because they are i mean i don't know if they're tracking our companies but they're tracking us in terms of working with us, right? You know, they just, they're looking at it from, is this a good contractor to work with? And there's reputation involved there. So you always have reputation, whether they're tracking or not, they, there's a reputation involved there. And I think that it is more profitable because you are essentially making their lives easier. And anytime you make a customer, cause I really feel that, you know, I have multiple customers. I have a customer, which is the homeowner. The insurance company is my customer too, cause I'm selling to them. I, they are the ones that are paying me. I'm selling to them and they are really my customer. And how can I make their lives easier? And if I make their lives easier, they make my life easier. Couldn't agree more. Uh, that was actually the, the purpose statement of my contracting business. We make it easy. And that was all we did. Everything we could do to make it as easy as possible. I can remember getting all the codes written down, all copy and pasted into our templates. And it was just really monotonous. And boy, well, now we got a new city we're working in. Oh boy, we got to do it all over again. So uh I would have uh, purchased this without even blinking an eye going, Hey, yeah, we got to have this thing just to make my life easier. Yeah. So, so you were on a freemium type model, right? Like you guys invested a you know, ton of money to get this thing up and running and, and allowing people to use it for free. Obviously the feedback was amazing and, and now you're charging for it. What does that look like? What is it? What, what does this thing cost? Yes. So, I mean, we, for two years, we put $3 million into this and so, what most people understand is, I mean, you know, we've had people that say, you know, oh, it's no longer free. No, thank you. Like, like, okay, you're welcome. You know, it's, it's what we wanted to do though was before we started charging, we really wanted to make a solid platform. We wanted to make a solid platform that was reliable and trustworthy. And we wanted adoption within, in the industry before we started charging for it. We knew inherently there was value, but to the point that everyone else understood value. That's what we were striving for. So we made a goal. 
you know, once we hit 8,000 users, we would, we would turn the, 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 the spigot on. And we did. So two weeks ago, we, we turned it on. Um, the way that we structured it is that we feel that majority of contractors are local in nature. So they are working in one state. And so what we did was we looked at it from a local one state versus a national, which is going to be access to all 50 states and running reports. So we have two options in that, in that aspect. And it's, it's, it's priced um, accordingly. So we really want adoption within the local contractors. So we priced it lower than we think we should have, but we think it's palatable. How's that? Um, the value that I mean, you could you could make back in one month's subscription on one report. We're charging twenty nine dollars per month um, to be able for to all access. the reports I can do. All the well, we have a limit of I think it's uh, either twenty five reports, twenty five reports per month, and we will have options to buy more reports. But you know, it's literally a dollar report where you could actually make anywhere from depend even just getting sales tax right, you could make an extra twenty thirty bucks, right? So I'm just the endless amounts of money you can make using our reports is there, but we wanted to make it so it's, it's, it's still consumable. People consume it like crazy, but we are able to then start backfilling the cost of running this program for everybody. Yeah. We, I mean, nobody starts a business without wanting to make some money, but uh, I'm sitting here going $29 a month, even if it got up to, I don't know, $250. I mean, it's all volume based, right? Like however many reports I'm doing, but I can't imagine like, if the cost gets more, it's going to be any more per report. So if it's dollar per report is kind of the number I'm looking at, that's a, that's less expensive than a bottle of water. Like, good grief. Like, yes, please. Like, okay, I got to buy one more bottle of water on this project. I got that. No problem. I do that anyway for my crew. So uh, that's a cost that I see is really like, just should be an absolute. We shouldn't even think twice about it. And which is why I was excited to talk to you about that piece of it because I knew you'd been on that freemium model. I knew uh, that you were going to start charging for it. I was interested to see what route you took with it. I think you took the right one. I think you took this one that it's going to be heavily adopted. People are going to use it everywhere and they're going to find out that um, it's something that they don't want to live without. Mm -hmm. um, was that, was that strategic by you guys? Very strategic. Absolutely. We were going to turn it on last summer um, and I, we were about ready to flip the switch and I said, no, we're not there. We don't have the momentum. I think momentum is, is key. Um, we were only at that time uh, receiving anywhere from 10 to 15 new users signing up organically. You know, it's viral word of mouth. We're now up to 40 to 110 new users per day signing up organically. That is viral for us. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So, um, this is an interesting part because I have a software background with AccuLinks and kind of what we did there. Um, where did you, I mean, did you just make up this strategy? Did you pattern yourself after some other models that you had seen? Um, what, what kind of gave you the idea of the, the freemium into the paid version at some point once you built what was needed? Yes. I mean, I was under immense pressure from team members. You know, they had vested interest in it, right? They wanted to make money. They wanted to see this baby, you know, be born and start to you know crawl and then walk and then run and I was that that kind of that rock that was holding the dam back you know like okay it's not quite big enough you know like hang on we want momentum and so the strategy really came from intuition I don't I can't state that I have the experience to speak to this it was really about just looking inward and saying okay is this the right decision you know you know and, and energetically is it going to come to fruition right and I had to sit with that question and to the point where I was about ready to flip that switch due to pressures of internal team, I actually stopped it. 
Um, what that stop did was cause another million dollars for me to come out of pocket, but it created momentum that I could only, I could never have paid for. You know, it, it, it came to opportunities like discussing this with you that, you know, may have not to come fruition because we didn't have that momentum to where, Hey, we should really talk to Garrett and see what's going on over there. Yeah. It's a, it's a great strategy. Uh, you got a lot of people, <laughs> you know, it, it's, and please don't take this offensively. I, don't take it the wrong way because I actually believe in this kind of a model as well as it's, it's kind of like a drug dealer. It's like, Hey man, here's the good stuff. Here's the good stuff. Try this out and help us fix it, break it, make it even a little bit better. And all right, now, now it's time to start charging you for it because it is something that's good, but I'm not going to charge you too much. It's going to be the right price. And, uh, and, and I think that's super cool. I think that's a great strategy for, a lot of different types of businesses to follow, whether you're a contractor and you offer like a free maintenance program, program um, as part of your services, uh, maybe your first uh, inspection is free and then you start charging. That type of thing, what it does is it builds goodwill and it builds rapport and it builds value in what it is that you have. And then you also have that momentum because you have so many people that are taking advantage of it. I just think it's a beautiful strategy. Well done, way to go. Uh, that's Thanks. pretty rock star, Garrett. Um, and no, you're not a drug dealer. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to add one caveat to that. What we didn't expect, which came to our surprise, when we flipped the switch on, we, offer, we offered a pilot program to the insurance carriers. So any insurance carrier domain, so that they had Liberty Mutual, American Family, whatever their email domain was, we would allow them, you know, we'd be able to allow them to have access to be able to use our, our reports despite being charged now, they can use it free for the next 21 days. I was surprised at how many, and I'm talking thousands of adjusters that are using our program right now. I didn't realize it, but I think we're up to 2,800 domain-based, and that's just with the ones that are using their domains, like staff adjusters. I'm not talking about the ones that are like using Yahoo and, you know, uh, big dad on roof, you know, at, at Gmail. <laughs> yeah. big dad um, on roof at Gmail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and those exist. And so what we, we, we are super excited about the traction we're receiving with the insurance companies with pilots. And so we are entering in multiple pilots with multiple insurance companies right now. So, so a lot of times when contractors hear that, like I can remember that with uh, other companies like Eagle view and stuff like that, where they were working kind of both sides of the fence. Um, a lot of contractors uh, kind of have the vibe of like, well, okay, and now it's no good anymore. I'm the opposite. I'm like, now communication's phenomenal. Like they see the same thing I see, just like in an exact way if you're using a contractor version and they're using a the contractor version, we talk the same language. Now with codes, we're going to talk the same language, which is just going to make things a million times easier. Uh, so I see that as actually a, a strong benefit. And, and the more that we can work with insurance companies, not for and not against, but mm -hmm. with, um, I think the better off things are going to be, especially when it comes to communication and transparency. Uh, I think those will solve a lot of problems for everybody. So um, what does the future look like, Garrett? Like, what's the goal? What, I mean, you started this thing. What's, what's the end game or do you know yet? Yeah. So we, we started with, um, you know, like something similar to Jeff Bezos, zero to one, right? We're going to focus on our books. We're going to focus on roofing. You know, it's a lot of people maybe don't know this, but let's call it $50 billion a year is spent annually on roofing and 17 to 20 of that is from insurance related claims. So the biggest purchaser of roofing in the U S as a single industry is going to be insurance. And so what we are looking to do is also bring insurance companies 
in together with the contractor, meaning we want to bring more tools to both sides. And that would be permitting. So we're looking at permit as the next avenue. And so we are working on a permit calculator. And this is both for retail and for insurance companies to where we can actually start having insurance companies enter in the permit value and the amount of the permit up front. So that's one less thing you're going to have to supplement for. When you're estimating for retail and you are, there's retail people out there and you want to be able to estimate what that permit should be. You don't want to put PWI or, you know, uh, per bid or per invoice. Let's put a number in there. You can quickly type in what you think the roof is cost based on you using your own software. And then we will be able to give you an output back based on the fee schedule of roofing for that jurisdiction in that state. So address specific permit information. That's super cool. Cause I wonder how many contractors don't invoice for that permit afterwards. Like it's almost a little bit of a game with the, the, the insurance. Like we know every penny counts, right? And yeah. so I don't want to pay for it until the cost is incurred. So get me the bill whenever you're done. Yeah. Well, if we know what the cost that's going to be incurred is, and some, some permits are just static. They're 75 bucks, 150, yeah. but whatever. But some of them are based on the value of the project. And uh, having that scale with me all the time is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And it seems like sometimes the permit offices make it up while they're at it. And so in Louisiana, especially, I can vouch for that one in Hurricane yeah. Katrina. Um, so, so that's cool. So you've, you've got bigger plans and bigger things you're after. Um, and, then, and then one other thing, we're going to expand from roofing and we're going to go into other trades. We're not quite sure which ones we're going to go into, but we naturally will progress into windows, uh, siding, uh, gutters. As the codes change for gutters, I think there's some changes in gutters coming down for codes, um, but exterior type stuff. So That's, uh, that's exciting. Can't wait to see it, man. That's, that's going to be really cool. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, we learned a, we learned a lot about uh, one click code. Is there anything we missed? Anything that you like, Hey, we better get this to the, to the listeners so that they can understand exactly who we are. Um, no, I think we did a great job. I think just given the time to be able to get out here and just kind of talk about it. I just grateful for it. So thank you for that. So I want to ask you a little bit about you. Uh, I, I always end uh, my podcast with uh, these three questions because uh, I think it's important to understand the individual as much as the business and uh, maybe we, we asked some of your strategy, which was super cool. I think that was uh, actually pretty entertaining. Like, wow, I just kind of made it up as I went along. Uh, and, it, and it worked out really well. Um, so to date, uh, for Garrett, not including family or kids or anything like that, what's your greatest achievement? Man, I would say, to be blatantly honest, the, the largest achievement that I have done, it's going to be related, I think was launching our product last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago and actually people wanting to buy it, paying to buy it. <laughs> um, four years ago, I dreamt up this idea, three and a half years ago, this idea, we could figure out the building codes across the country. People told me I was crazy. I said, it hasn't been done. I can do, we can do it. I'm going to figure out a way. If anyone's going to do it, I'm going to do it. The next thing was, is that, you know, people aren't going to pay for this, right? Um, it's not going to be accepted. You know, you are literally going down a path that's just not been blazed before. And so I think the greatest accomplishment so far to date literally just happened two weeks ago. Um, and I'm still reminiscing in that ultimate like feeling and glow of just knowing that I just did something that no one else has. I should say we as a team, cause I have an amazing team. We did something that no one else has done before and we don't know any, anybody else that's currently going to go do it. It's pretty cool. 
That is, that is an awesome achievement. It's always a good feeling when you do something that nobody else has done before. Um, and it, it usually takes more than one person. It's not usually one guy that just comes up with this brilliant plan and everything works perfectly. So, um, yeah, I would, I would call that a pretty, pretty great achievement. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes for you. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really big. It's one of those things like, God, why didn't I do that? Like, I, I didn't seem all that hard, really. Why didn't I do, do that? But uh, it, it's always harder than you think it is, right? So hard. Yeah. Um, so but if it was easy, someone would have done it. And so that just showed you how difficult it was. Yeah. Um, that, that is the thing that any easy thing out there these days, um, it doesn't seem like it's been, like a lot of people think company camp was easy. It wasn't easy either. There's a lot of technology, a lot of investment, a lot of software, a lot of just uh, unbelievable amount of energy that has to go into that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's cool to see it come to fruition. Um, and I, I relate what you guys do a lot to what they've done, which is to create one thing that works really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a, it's the way to go in software. Um, so uh, question number two, sitting here, to, how old are you, Garrett? Can I ask, is you okay with that question? So I would be, be 30, yeah, I'm 39. So I, I, yeah, I'm 39 in four months, I think. So you're 39 years old and sitting here today, you look back to when you were 16. Mm. What one piece of advice would you have given yourself uh, that would have made life a, a bit smoother for you? So I think, oh man, I have multiple things, but I think the biggest thing is, is that um, take, take this perspective at life is how is this for me? How am I going to turn these lemons into lemonade? and really try to focus in on the best outcome as possible because if you dwell and put energy into anything else it's just going to slow you down and ultimately the fear that you're having in your life at any given point is not necessarily a tiger it's not chasing you so making a fear-based decision is completely opposite of what you should do so you get into a, a state of mind of knowing that everything's happening for you and uh, it's only going to bring you better to a better place down the road. And, it, and anything that's in pain will pass. Oh man, that's, that's great advice. Um, I learned that uh, many years ago. I used to make a lot of fear-based decisions yeah. and, uh, and I don't do that anymore. It's, you know, I'm willing to take it. I, I love what you said about everybody telling you you couldn't, right? You mm -hmm. couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't. And it's almost like that almost forces you, right? I'll, I'll prove you wrong. And I can remember that uh, even from my, my parents saying I wasn't going to amount to much. I wouldn't be able to do much. And, uh, you know, I was never going to be able to retire when I said I was and all that kind of stuff. Um, those, those people that tell you you can't, it's awful fun to, to prove them wrong. Um, and, and do that from a place of no fear, being willing to take that risk. And that's uh, as great advice. All right. So last question. Yeah. So um, we all only have so much time on this planet. You've got more than I do uh, based on your age. Uh, but uh, at some point we're going to, we're going to go and, uh, and, and people are going to remember us. We're going to leave a legacy. Mm -hmm. What do you hope people remember Garrett as? Uh, man, you know, it's, I had to ask that question back in college and I was kind of joking around because I was a little immature back then. But as I've grown up, I think, you know, leaving a legacy of 
an impact in my own way, right, in the world, um, and leaving a, a mark um, for as many people as possible, impacting their lives is as po positively as possible. Um, I never want to put a limit to that, but I would always say is that if I was to pass, um, people would say um, that I was that my efforts and the vision that I created and executed on as part of the team and part of the company made an impact um, bigger than any one person could. And so I think, I think the idea that I'm trying to pursue is um, having as many people join me in this pursuit to be able to make an impact on this industry and other industries of changing for the good. That's, uh, we're, we're in alignment there. That's, uh, that's, that's part of what I'm all about. You know, I want to change this industry for the better. I want to give people the tools to do it well. I want them to understand that you can actually do this right. You don't have to be shifty and cut corners and stuff like that. It's not what people want. People want value. They want the most for their money. And uh, I think you've created something valuable. I think they're going to get the most for their money. I mean, that cost to me, like I'm sitting there going, um, Gary, you might want to talk to me first about that. We could maybe charge a few bucks more. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think what you've done is, is amazing. Uh, I'm uh, extremely like, there's a bit of pride there. Like it's cool to see you go where you've gone. Cause we talked about this stuff and uh, to see you get there. Um, I want to like, virtual high five i think that's the only way you can give them nowadays like we can't actually touch each other um so uh it's been great having you on today thanks for being a part of contractor radio and uh thanks for helping our industry out much appreciated my pleasure jim thanks for having me it was a great time thank you awesome no problem well there you have it another awesome episode of contractor radio we hope you found it both entertaining and educational, and it helps you with your business to put yourself into a position to work on it instead of in it, gives you the strategies to move your business forward and grow, and helps you lead your team. Remember, Contractor Radio is sponsored by Contractor Coach Pro, where we help home services contractors achieve their dreams. If you're trying to achieve your dreams with your contracting business, check us out at contractorcoachpro.com or give us a call at 832-674-1011 and find out how we can help you achieve your dreams with your business.